I want to thank George Shrek for sharing last week. Uh, those of you here last week uh, uh, learned a little bit more about how God is working in George and Michelle's life and um, how God is sending them out, uh, which is what we are to be doing uh, as a, a greenhouse for the Great Commission, and it is a, a thanksgiving, a pleasure, it is an honor when God is calling out our own uh, as they are heading up north, um, and uh, we will you say, see in the bulletin that there will be an ordination service uh, at the end of our month where we will be ordaining him as well as Jose. Jose has asked to also be ordained uh, in the work that he is doing. And so we look forward to that, uh, and uh, we will be have an ordaining council with them, and hopefully they will survive uh, that. And so I, I want to make sure y'all put that on the calendar. So appreciate so much uh, his sharing with us uh, this past past Sunday. I have so many things to share with you. Um, sometimes it's hard to know how to get started uh, in this. Uh, Ten years. Um, I want to be sharing some things not only today but next Sunday as well as to how God uh, is leading us and our church uh, for the next two weeks uh, throughout this year. Um, and so, uh, ten years ago, uh, I was thirty. Chris was forty. <laughs> where you are, Chris? I don't know where you went. You were around there, maybe working with the children. Okay, uh, and uh, it seemed like that week. We had a lot of ice, uh, and Raleigh was shut down for hours at end uh, that week. And so it's, it's hard to imagine uh, 10 years and just how God has worked. And you just need to know, if a pastor has been at a church for, for that amount of time, it's not just because of the pastor, uh, it's because of the church. Um, and it is a statement as much about the church uh, as it is about the pastor and that there is a holy commitment, a grace, a mercy that is shared with one another uh, that, that we have committed ourselves to and been recipients of. And I'm keenly aware because I, I know that I'm not ever, I was ever here because of who I was. It was because simply of what God's doing. And the fact that I've been here 10 years is not because of who I am, but it's because of what God has done and is doing. And it's simply that. Uh, and so we commit ourselves to the Lord in however way the Lord uh, will direct in the time that remains. But being that I am 40 and I've been here 10 years, I'm keenly aware that a fourth of my life has been spent here. Uh, this church in uh, April, May will celebrate 45 years of its existence. And so I know almost a fourth of this church's existence has been with me as a pastor. Uh, and so there is room for some ref reflection and thinking through how God is working and moving. And so I don't want to be too complicated. I just want to share two principles that God is working in my life that is in Scripture, that if I was to sit down with any one of you individually, and I not knowing everything about what you're dealing with, but for many of you I do, I would share with you this, still these two 
principles of life and know that it would impact you. So instead of me setting up an hour with you individually, thank you for coming here at this time so we can all talk together. All right, that is why part of the reasons why studying is such a big deal and, and this Sunday morning is such a big deal because there's a lot of hours at once of just sharing with you truth. And what I'm praying is that this will boost the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I am confident that what I'm going to share with you is how the Holy Spirit is moving in your life, the direction He is moving you toward. And so if I could just, by the Word of God, just clearly share it with you, I pray it will be as a booster shot of what the Spirit of God is working in your life. This morning has been kind of chaotic at our house. Had to take my wife to uh, urgent care. She was having some adverse reactions to some medicine and uh, some allergic reactions. And so one of the things uh, they did is they gave her a shot. Uh, A shot. Evidently, they were not very confident in the Benadryl that we had given to her, even though, you know, it was probably, what, 2009? (laughs) Expiration date, I don't know. Uh, They said that was probably obsolete. I said, what? <laughs> and so then they weren't very confident with the children's, uh, the children's bit of drill that we gave her with. Uh, and so they thought that she might need a, a booster. Uh, and so she got a shot. Well, I think sometimes we kind of work that in our life where we are living on last week's message uh, of the truth of the Word of God. We need continually the truth of God's Word every day in our life. Don't have expired words from God. Now, what I mean by that is I don't mean that God's word is never relevant to your life, but what is needed is a fresh speaking of God into our life. That is what the word of God does. I pray that one of the things that you are doing is that you are seeking throughout this year and the rest of your life, this is not a resolution, this is a lifestyle that you seek God's word daily. One of the commitments that I'm making within my own heart before God is that each day I will seek to be happy with God. Every day. To seek to be happy with God. His word, His truth. To consider the word of God, to think through it to the point where there is a joy in what I'm reading. Because I am convinced that Satan and this world would be committed for me to be happy in anything but God. And there needs to be a strong and stronger resolution within my own heart to find happiness with God than what the world is determined in me being happy with anything other than that. You understand what I'm saying? Every commercial, every advertisement, every media message, everything put upon your screen is a constant barrage of seek joy in something other than God. But I've got good news is that the Spirit of God is great. In fact, He who is in you is greater than He that is in the world. And we just need to direct our attention to God. And so I'm praying that this can be a booster shot for your heart, for your life, perhaps maybe a speed trap, a speed uh, 
phase to get you quickly to where God is moving in your life. So, I want to direct you to 1 John chapter 3. We will resume our study in Acts. Uh, that's been a long time ago since uh, Christmas series. Uh, but there is a period of here that I'd like to take some time in January uh, to focus on where we will be, Lord willing, throughout this year. And so 1 John chapter 3, we're going to look primarily at verse 23, but it fits in the context of verse 19 through 24. And really verse 23 is a parenthesis. Um, he's talking about prayer. He's talking about how to have confident hearts in prayer as you present yourself to God. And you need to understand prayer, when the Bible talks about prayer, uh, it is talking about presenting yourself to God. I, I think sometimes we think of prayer as kind of like a, a text message. You know, you can send text messaging while you're doing 10 other things nowadays. And so you, you could be cooking, or you could be uh, writing a letter, or you could be watching a TV program, or you could be reading something else and say, hey, I need to quit, send a quick message to someone. And sometimes we may think that prayer is like that. There is an aspect of, of quick prayers before God, but when the Bible talks about prayer, it's really about presenting ourselves before God. So if you can have in your mind's eye, perhaps maybe, an audience at the White House, uh, that is not something we, you quickly do. It is an event in and of itself in which you want your entire being there. In fact, if you are there and you're checking out your phone while you're talking to the president, it might uh, not come across as, as well received. All right? Um, and so how much more before God? We present ourselves. And so if you look at it as, as that, of not just quick text messaging, but presenting ourselves before God, we need assurance. That we are right before God. And so this is uh, what verses 19 to 24 is talking about. But then there's this parenthesis in verse 23 about the commandment. And it is really John just summarizing what he has shared with us in the gospel of John, referring to Jesus, and all that Jesus has commanded us to do. And he sums it up. And so I just want to focus on verse 23 and give you a couple principles from that. So, in honor of this being the Word of God, I'm going to ask that we stand as we read this together. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. You may be seated. So let me just quickly talk about the context before we focus on verse 20, 23. Verse 19, He tells the point that we can have assurance in our heart. In fact, that is really the point of the book. 
If you read 1 John 5.13, he says, this is the reason I wrote this book. These things I've written to you that for those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ, that you may know you have eternal life. If you ever want to know what are the assurances that you are in God, that you are, have the Spirit of Christ in your life, that you are a follower of Jesus, or as we say today, a Christian, <laughs> am I in that category? First uh, John is written for you. This is how you know that the Spirit of God is walking with you and you are walking with Him, that you follow Jesus. And so he says, that here's, I'm going to give you a, a, some, some direct points to that main purpose of this letter, that you can have truth and assurance of your heart, because there's going to be times, verse 20, when your heart will condemn you. Because, listen, listen, when you go before God and you present yourself before God, you will have moments of condemnation. You understand that, right? You, you can't pray and come before the holy God, without having some sense, some revelation of, I don't belong here. I'm messed up. I, I, I'm, I'm doomed. I, there is going to be condemnation that comes from encounters with God. All right? And so God has provided for this. And so he is assuming that if you've come to chapter 3, verse twenty. One, that you've probably read chapter 2, and you've read chapter 1, all right? Remember, this is a letter. Before you get to the end, you've got, hello. And so, what are some things that he has already shared with the readers here? Well, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, yes, you will be confronted in sin. In fact, if you say you're not that bad of a sinner, you're a liar and you're deceiving yourself. Anytime I come across someone and the Bible clearly states something is sin and they're justifying it, they're just calling themselves a liar and they're calling God a liar. All right? And so... Then we get to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, or that which satisfies God's anger for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world world he has already shared with us that in those moments when we condemn ourselves we find ourselves guilty we must face punishment we know that we feel this guilt he has already told us first john 1 and first john 2 confess your sins jesus is enough to satisfy your sin but you know what happens we know that but that's not what fills our view Sometimes still, have you heard someone say, I know what the Bible says, but I just cannot forgive myself. You been there? I just can't forgive myself. I must punish myself. I must go through some ritual of somehow making this right. And there never is enough. All right? And so there is this idea that we cannot forgive ourselves. And so he is speaking here at this point. He says, look, you need to understand. 
God is greater. And He knows everything. If God is greater and He knows everything, yet He forgives you, then you are upholding something greater than God as your God. It may be your own sense of of your moral code. It may be some sense that you feel like you ought to be able to keep things together and be perfect. Or it may be some sense of, I've got to be excellent in my career. Or it's got to be some sense of financial responsibility that you pride yourself in. But when you cannot forgive yourself, there's this idea of this moral code that you've held up greater than God. And what God is saying is God is greater than your moral code. And he knows everything about you anyway. And so he says, there's forgiveness there. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. In other words, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ and what he's done, you have confidence before God to pray. So, verse 22 and 23, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And so now he does this little parenthesis. What is his commandment, by the way? What is it that pleases God? And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Sometimes we make things so complicated, don't we? And John is saying, here it is. I remember uh, I, I shared the story uh, when I was in China one time, and I was trying to learn the language, and I was, I was trying to pick up everything, every word, and I was trying to get the contest and figure out what it means so I can learn the words. And I was in a, an elevator, and I was coming down from our, our hotel, and a, a, a Chinese uh, person came in, and we just kind of smiled, you know, so, you know it's always kind of awkward anyway, uh, but he's wanting to talk to to American, and, and so as he leaves, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm trying to learn, and so he, he says, ta-ta! I'm like, oh, okay, that's uh, a Chinese uh, farewell word, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to impress the the ones that I'm there with that, that live there and I'm going to use this and because you know I want to be in the in the moment you know just in the in the and so I, I'm telling it to the uh, Jeremy and Trisha and and some of these that, that live there and I'm just oh, man that, you know I hadn't come across that word maybe that's a nosu word or you know and just and he's like man I'm learning words you don't know yet you've been here <laughs> and so I'm, I'm saying this to everybody and they're just kind of looking at me and it dawns on me He's speaking English. <laughs> he thinks I'm from England. He's saying, ta-ta. I was like, oh my goodness. I, here I am thinking, I'm in, you know, I'm just overthinking stuff, you know. Oh yeah, I speak English. I need to stick with what I know. Our perspective matters, doesn't it? We can overcomplicate it. And so what I want to share with you is a couple principles to give you perspective. I cannot give you all the answers But the Word of God gives us perspective, and the Spirit of God helps us with the answers if we have the right perspective. All right, so the very first thing he tells us here is, look, this is his commandment. You want to do what pleases God? Then believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. It is a commandment. It's interesting. He has a singular commandment, but he has two aspects to it. Love one another. These come together. You can't separate one from the other. But, for purposes of time, I've got to talk about one before the other. All right? So, the first command. 
Uh, the first principle of life is simply this idea of believing in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, is a commandment from God given to everybody. It's universal. And if God is telling you, that means you can do it. So here it simply is. In every circumstance, in every circumstance, God is working and He wants us to trust in Him. Every circumstance is an opportunity for us to trust Christ. So, universal is the command of God. He's given us the ability to do it by the Spirit of God. That means it doesn't really matter what stage you are in life, what's going on around you. I could share with you this simple thing in a counseling point and say, look, here's what God is doing. He is wanting you. He is desirous of you. He is providing for you to trust in Him. So you tell me what your circumstances are. It doesn't really matter. But I want you to think through, write down on your note sheet, what are some of the circumstances you are in right now in your life? Some of you are business opportunity. He wants you to trust in Him. Some of you are dealing with medical restrictions, limitations, sicknesses. He wants you to trust in Him. Some of you have your careers in front of you, and you're trying to figure out which way to go, which direction to take, which decision do I need to make. Listen, it's going to come from the perspective of your trusting in Him. Some of you are dealing with relationship problems from family and friends in that circumstance he's wanting you to trust in him it is an opportunity to trust him some of you are in a situation where you don't see any real physical answer and unless god does a miracle you are stuck in some situation it is an opportunity for you to trust in him I want you to write it down. I want you to memorize this simple perspective. If you can look at it from this perspective, there will be a clarity that can come when you are dealing in the midst of it, in, the, in this fog of a new year, or the fog of dealing with last year. Understand, God is wanting you to trust in Him. The way it says here, believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. The character, the name, the name refer, refers to the character of a person. The, the, the fact that He is the Son, He is God in flesh, the incarnate one that we've learned about the last few weeks as we celebrate Christmas, that He is Jesus. This is the word that, that God is our Savior. Christ is the word for Messiah, the Anointed One. He is the Deliverer, God in flesh, uh, that is sent for you. Do you Believe in that name. Another way of saying that is, do you trust in that truth? Do you depend on that truth? Is your hope set on that truth? For the last 10 years, I could say to you with confidence that God has been working to shatter my idols so that I could trust in the name 
of Jesus Christ as my Savior and Messiah. A lot of times, these circumstances are painful circumstances that I have endured in different ways. Sometimes, it's in prosperity. Sometimes, some of you are sitting in in a situation where, you know, things are looking pretty good. Financially, things are stepping up. Businesses are stepping up. Health-wise, we are doing well. But listen, I'm going to share with you, it is an opportunity to trust in Christ still. The choices are given to you. Will you trust in your IRA? Will you trust in your account? Uh, Will you trust in this house? Will you trust in this business? Will you trust in this marriage? Will you trust in the children that God has blessed you with? It's a choice that will be presented before you, but it's still what God is working in is that you will trust in Him. Sometimes we get to this, though, most readily through pain. I'm going to share with you, when I started here, I just had these formulas. This is what's going to work. This is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to grow, and this is how we're going to be unified. And so I could just share with you that over those 10 years is just like one of those formulas being abolished after another. You've had, you've had that for your life, haven't you? This is your formula for a good, happy life. If you do this, if you do this, we make sure we keep this character in check, keep this discipline going then this ought to bring me to the goal that I've got. You'll find that the rest of your life is spent God destroying those things one after the other and saying, as we've sung, it's it's Christ. It's Christ. It's not Christ and anything else. It's just Christ. Our hope for our church is not a pastor that's been here 10 years. And that's evident, isn't it? Our hope is Christ. My hope as a pastor is not a church that is cooperative. My hope is Christ. My hope is not a marriage that fits my definition of what a good marriage is. My hope is Christ. My hope is not children that will do all the things that I want them to do. Because, you know, that quickly doesn't work, doesn't it? My hope is Christ. That's why we have kids, don't you know? That's why we have parents. That's why, we, that's why God puts us in a family to put us with people that just don't follow our agenda. And then he says, well, if that's not enough, I'm going to put you in a church. And those are the two institutions he created. And they teach the same thing. It's about Christ. Now, I want you to understand something. You read verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And so he says, all right, if if this is true of you, if you are intentionally seeking out to trust in Christ, that you see Christ as your refuge, whether you are like Mr. Ray, Miss Lily, where they're looking at, you know, this is like the end of our life as a marriage couple together. Will we trust 
in Christ, then if that's going to happen, we seek intentionally in every circumstance, it's going to be done by God's Spirit. It is a mark of those who abide with God, and those abide with God do so because of the Spirit of God whom He's given us. That's why I can say to you, if I share this simple truth to you, you take it, you grab it, you, you make it as a banner in your life, it is a booster shot because it is where the Spirit of God is taking you. He's taking you to this point. You, know, you always wonder, what is God doing in my life? Don't wonder anymore. All right? He is working in you to trust in Him. And so when we depend on Him, make our refuge in Him, it is glorifying to God. So it doesn't really matter if we go to a neighborhood and we share the gospel, but we don't trust in God, who's getting the glory? You see, for us to proclaim a message, we must live the message. For this church to say that Christ is our hope, is our life, he must be individually our hope, our life. Before we can share it compellingly with someone else. Now, there's something else here. This is a commandment that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And love one another, just as he has commanded us. I've mentioned before, this is a singular commandment. These come together. In fact, how you show that you trust in Christ is that you love someone else. And you're not able to love someone else like Christ loves them unless you trust in Christ. Because the demands put on you to love someone must require a death to yourself. So where's life going to come from? It's going to come from that which you trust in, Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to share with you, if you don't trust in, in Jesus Christ and you've got some other God... You will not know forgiveness. The only God that will forgive you is the God of Jesus Christ. Your moral code will not forgive you. Your business will not forgive you. Your church will not forgive you. You cannot find forgiveness there because it is such a strict command given to us when we have some other God outside of this God that's given to us. The only way we can find forgiveness is when the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus Christ, is our God. And if we know this forgiveness, then we've got the grace that we can give to someone else. It goes back. It goes back to our relationship with the Lord. That's why Jesus says, if you cannot forgive someone else, how do you, how do you think that you're going to have forgiveness from God the Father? You see, you are, if you're not having the grace... To give to someone else because you don't know the grace yourself. You've got pride that keeps you from forgiving someone else. And how can a prideful person have forgiveness with God? Forgiveness comes from humble hearts. And so these, you cannot separate. And so let me just share with you the second principle. Every relationship is an opportunity to love someone. How can I say that? Because God commanded it. This is his command. This is what pleases him. That we love one another just as he commanded us. And so I don't walk. It's like we have this command. And then we, we, what we want to do is, is like if we get in a certain relationship where the people are really irritating, miserable, demand too much of us. It's like we want to step outside of this umbrella called God's command. And say, okay, I'm, I'm in this relationship now with my children. And so therefore I can not love them. 
or I can harbor resentment toward them. Or, you know what, I don't really know that person that cut me off in the parking lot. So surely that doesn't apply here. If it is a command of God, it applies everywhere you go. It doesn't matter really how minimal the relationship is or how deep the relationship is. Don't you love the Christmas cheer of the shopping season? I, I couldn't help but just laugh a little bit. I was just walking across uh, into Target and uh, hearing some horns blow. <laughs> I looked out and I see this lady sticking her head out of the window. Merry Christmas! I was like, oh wow. You know, there it is right there. We wish a Merry Christmas with a heart of hatred. So easy to do, isn't it? God loves you, but I don't. Every relationship is an opportunity to love someone. Now, as I say that, and you read that, and you hear that, you probably have had at least 10 different counter-arguments to that. Well, yeah, but you don't know this. Well, you don't know what they did. Well, how am I supposed to love that person when they don't love me? And, and, and we've got all these different reasons of why this shouldn't be true. But I've got one simple thing where it says here, well, this is His commandment. We love one another just as He commanded. Is it like verse 23 says, in case you didn't get it, this is commandment? Then He repeats it again. Love one another just as He commanded us. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. It's not really a new commandment. He says it's an old commandment. It goes way back to Deuteronomy. But He puts new power, new dynamic in it. And that says, I'm going to show you how to do it. And now I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to give you my spirit by which you can do this. That's why he says in the next passage, whoever keeps his commandment abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. When I'm trying to make a decision... One of the questions that we need to ask ourselves in any decision that we're making is which one of these options, which one of these options shows my greater trust in Jesus Christ and the greatest love for someone else? I dare you to ask yourself that the next time you're trying to make a decision. Which option requires me to trust in God more and requires me to love someone else more. I cannot give you the answer to God's will, but I can give you perspective from the Word of God that will take you to answers. When you're counseling with someone, most of the time you don't need answers, you need perspective. It doesn't really matter what situation you're dealing with. You're dealing with your son who's messed up again, you're dealing with a daughter-in-law who doesn't like you for some reason or a son-in-law who doesn't like you. You're dealing with a mom, you can't quite please them, or a dad, you can't quite please them. You've got all this stuff that's fresh, right? Christmas gathering is not always cheerful. Sometimes it's reminders of, we're messed up. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> We've got all these reminders of how messed up we are. 
Verse 20. When our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. (laughs) He knows how messed up we are. And yet, he extends to us grace and mercy. If you will just confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just as you receive Christ, so walk ye in him. So, how does that mean you deal with that person you have a hard time loving? You confess your stuff. I'm messed up. Sometimes I have a hard time loving you. But it's not just you, because we're all messed up. My problem's with me. When it comes down to it, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And the only way we can get past one another's sin is the fact that God loves me still. And he loves you still, and I'm going to confess it. I'm going to depend on the grace of God that he wants to give me. He knows everything about me and still offers me forgiveness because of Jesus Christ paying for my sins, 1 John 2, verse 1 and 2. Here's what we tend to go in, though, don't we? I've got it together. Why don't you get it together? Isn't that our approach? Is that how God dealt with us? How are we going to mend relationships if we're going on this facade that we've got it together? The good news here is that we can do these principles and not have it together. We can love someone and we can trust in Jesus Christ and not have it together. In fact, it's because we don't have it together that we can trust in Jesus Christ, and that we can love someone. Isn't that a wonderful? I can love someone, not because I have it together, but for the very reason that I don't have it together. Isn't that marvelous that God has made us this way? Because if it was anything other, then we'd just say, woe is us. We're broken, and we can't do anything about it. We still can't but God can. So, 10 years. What do you learn? Well, you learn that ta-ta is not a Chinese word, (laughs) but you get some perspective from the Word of God. I don't have the solution for how green pines are going to make it and do wonderful, but it's not really my job to make sure that Green Pines makes it and does wonderful. It's not your job either. Our job is to follow Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. No matter what the circumstance is, it's just an opportunity to trust in Him. Love others in every relationship. And sometimes, the worse the relationship, the more irritable a person is, the more cranky it is, the more unlovable someone is, the greater the opportunity to show Christ and loving that person. Because everybody's going to be unlovable. It's just you had not realized it yet. That's why you get married to someone. Julie's realized how unlovable I am. And it's a sweet thing to watch her show Christ. Because when it's all said and done, I don't need more of Julie, I need more of Jesus. And what Julie needs is not more of Jared, she needs more of Jesus. And what your children need is not more of you, but more of Jesus. And what this community needs is not more of green pines, 
but more of Jesus. Now that being said, we want to be intentional. We want to make sure that we are taking relationships and showing the love of Christ. So we are going to continue our love out loud. For those of you who may not know what that is, you've been a part since we've done emphasis on this. It is simply to to focus on a neighborhood and find ways to share the love of Christ with that neighborhood. There's three primary neighborhoods that's uh, been laid on my heart. Uh, We'll see how the Lord may affirm that or not. Uh, But Church Hill, um, right off Old Faison. Then we've got uh, Cheswick, which is a new neighborhood as you cross over uh, the 264. And then we've got Langston Ridge that's just beginning. And so I want to encourage you to come out for our dinner uh, January 25th. We want to uh, bring people all on board with how our church can impress the love of Christ in these neighborhoods in 2015. There'll be different ways you can do that. And this is going to be done a little differently than how we've done it times past. I encourage you to come to that banquet. Some of you are going to be uh, table uh, hosts, which means you want to make sure your table's filled. Uh, for that time. And we want to actively recruit for that on that date uh, for us to love out loud uh, those three neighborhoods uh, as a church together. But let's start 2015 knowing more firmly God's love in our heart. I'll be honest with you. There was a, maybe three years ago, I could see some of the difficulty that was going to come our, our way in our church and and I just prayed. And I said, God, you still want me here? Is this something you, you want? I know you brought me here. But I need to know you still want me here. And I'm not one who will advocate dreams a lot. I believe God can speak through them. But that, that night I, I had a dream. Um. You take it for whatever it's worth. It's, this is not the Word of God, okay? I've <laughs> closed the Bible. Um, and there was a, a lady from my, my previous church that had just passed away. Um, she was a dear friend of ours. And I didn't get to talk to her before she passed away. And, and it's like I had this encounter with her. And, um, and she was just asking me, Jared, how are you, how you really doing? And I just said, you know... Uh, this has probably been one of the hardest years I've had. And there's been some times I've really messed up. And I said, but you know, I've learned more about God's love this year than I ever have all before. And she just responded and said, well, what else matters? And I just said, Nia, <laughs> that's right. What else matters? I don't know. I don't, I don't know the source of it, but I know the effect of that dream that built my faith up. And God affirmed through Scripture some of the questions I was asking about being here and made it very clear to me through Scripture, yes, He still has a plan. But what I want to share that story with, it's very personal, I don't share that, um, is to say, for 2015, Find your greatest joy in God's love for you. 
Nothing else really matters. You get that promotion, you don't. You get a new house, or you fix the house, or get a different car, or your children come home, or whatever it may be. The only thing that matters is God's love for you that changes you to trust in Him, and you live by that so that you love others and do what God's called you to do. Do you know the love of Christ? Are you hoping in something else besides the love of Christ? God will have, he has a way of finding that out and revealing it to you. Will you pray with me that the love of God will be enough for you? That you'll have joy in that? That you'll share the love with others and trust in it? Will you pray with me that that'll be enough? Let's pray.